When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back to another episode of Friends from Football. Football! A week one recap edition. Coming at you live today from Napa, California. I'm your host, Kyle Sconowell, and this is Friends from Football, a weekly NFL show in the Friends from Work network hosted by myself and some fun co-hosts. Today I'll be flying solo as I've had a crazy week. I actually was in Minneapolis last week for the Vikings football game, so I didn't get a great chance to watch a ton of other games, but we'll talk about that in a second. And uh, I do want to tell you guys, for those of you who have never been to U.S. Bank Stadium where the Minnesota Vikings play, I do want to tell you guys what that experience is like at some point, but I'm going to save that for an episode when the Vikings win. So... I was wrong on some stuff, at least so far, through one week. So I want to touch on a few of those things. I want to go around the league quickly to start. I got to give you my five best bets for week two and a recap of how week one went. And then towards the end, I want to get on a Vikings tangent briefly and kind of talk about that specific game. So last week, I went two and three with my bets, which is not what I'm looking for. I missed the Vikings winning by six, and I missed the Commanders winning by seven. Those are the two that bothered me the most. So, yeah, two and three last week, and we'll get to my best bets towards the end of the week and see if we can get this baby turned around a little bit. Look, week one in the NFL is always so weird. Grant Paulson and I talked about that a couple weeks ago. You just never know. We don't know anything at this point. You can't predict what's going to happen. And oh my goodness, was week one weird or what? Just as an example, in week one alone, the Chiefs lost, the Bills lost to a Zach Wilson-led Jets, the Bengals got blown out by the Browns, the Giants got absolutely destroyed, the Vikings lost to the Bucks, who I thought would be a bad team, the Chargers lost. Somehow all of those teams lost, some in embarrassing fashion. You know, a lot of those teams I mentioned were playoff teams last year, and they all lost in week one. There are a couple of things that the NFL constantly tries to remind me of, and I constantly try to ignore. It just really doesn't matter who's, quote, good or who's bad in the NFL. It truly is 
any given Sunday. So even if your team lost in week one, or if your team won, you can't then just chalk up, well, the next four games, since we won this week, we're going to be 4-0, or we're going to be 0-4, our season's over. It just doesn't work that way. Our manager, Pete, reminded me of a week four Patriots blowout loss to the Chiefs a few years ago, only to see them go on and win the Super Bowl. And at that point, everyone thought their season was over too. The NFL is just so weird. There's so much parody. There's so much talent that it comes down to execution and game plan for just that day. Truly, that's how anyone can beat anyone. I mean, do you think the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Vikings, the Giants are all totally screwed? Because I don't. It just was a crazy week one. I also thought quarterback play and offense was down across the board. I didn't get a chance to watch every game, but anytime they flashed a score up in the stadium when I was watching, it'd be like 3-3 or 9-9, 15-16, I think, in the case of the Titans and Saints. Very few guys were throwing for a bunch of yards. I don't know if that has anything to do with people not playing in the preseason, offenses being rusty, defenses being ahead of offenses at this point. I don't know what was going on there. might have been a fluke, but something weird was in the water for week one and specifically for offenses and quarterbacks. So I'm going to go around the league here and give you some of the scores. I'm not going to attempt to talk a ton about the games I didn't see, but I will talk about the ones briefly that I did get a chance to watch, starting with the Lions beating the Chiefs 21-20. Look, I learned a couple things about the Lions I felt like on Thursday. On one hand, the Lions are a good team. They have an unbelievable offensive line, just like we projected. You know, Colin Cowherd does a segment where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong, and I kind of want to do that because this is one of the cases where Kyle was right. I had a lot of wrongs this week. But the Lions are good, their offense is good, their offensive line is excellent. But on the other hand, man, that game was wild because, yes, it's a huge win for the Lions, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but they needed a fake punt. They needed the worst performance from a wide receiver in history from the Chiefs with Kadarius Toney to still only win that game by one. So I don't know. I left feeling like, yeah, the Lions are good. I'm not sure they're a bona fide Super Bowl contender, though. I, I It just wasn't quite as smooth as I thought it would be. And the Chiefs' defense actually stood out more than I thought. Look, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm actually not panicked at all. You've got one of the worst wide receiver performances. Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, two of your three best players, were not playing. And you still only lost to the Lions by one on some freak drops. If Kadarius Tony just doesn't even suit up, you win that game. So I think the Lions are good, and I wouldn't panic if I'm the Chiefs. The Panthers lost to the Falcons 10-24. to That's one of the bets I got wrong. Grant Paulson was more right than me. The Panthers might still turn things around later in the season, but early on, young quarterback, new coach, just too much. He was right. I was wrong there. Texans 9, Ravens 25. I'd love to hear from our listeners who watched this game. How good did the Ravens look? It didn't look that impressive on the highlights or the stat sheet or the scoreboard as I was watching live. But a win's a win. I would take it. 
for those of you who got a chance to watch that game, hit me up. One of the most shocking results of the week, the Browns 24, the Bengals 3. Didn't get a chance to see this game either, but there is something about Joe Burrow not being able to beat that other team in Ohio. Super weird at this point, but man, we got to do a whole episode on quarterback play at some point. Who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL? I think it's Patrick Mahomes, and then I think there's a gap, and I think almost everybody else is interchangeable. Quarterbacks 2 through 10. I know that sounds like a hot take, but if Joe Burrow's the second-best quarterback in the world, he had a horrible game. I think he had under 100 yards passing and got benched towards the end of the game. Josh Allen, is he one of the better quarterbacks? Because he had four turnovers. It's hard to tell. Browns 24, Bengals 3. Jags 31, Colts 21. A couple interesting things here. The Jags proved me wrong. They did go out and win this game. This wasn't one of my picks, but I mentioned how for a season-long bet I wasn't as high on the Jags as other people. But also, I think there's some signs of hope for the Colts. Anthony Richardson, I think, looked pretty decent. Had a ton of passing attempts mixed in with those rushing attempts. I think he was further along than people thought. And that game was close until the very end. Bucks 20, Vikings 17. I'm going to get into that one more in depth at the end of this episode. Titans 15, Saints 16. Crazy defensive battle. Ryan Tannehill three picks. I think the Titans will still be okay. Maybe the Saints are a little bit better than I thought. Shout out Grant Paulson again from a couple of weeks ago. 49ers 30, Steelers 7. This one was shocking to me for two reasons. One, I thought the Steelers would be uh, rolling a little bit better early on. Remember, they were the darlings of the preseason. They looked unbelievable in the preseason. And then all of a sudden, they couldn't score at all. And once again, Kyle Shanahan just making it so easy for the quarterbacks. A dominant run game. Christian McCaffrey with an explosive long run in this game. Just such a smooth operation on offense there in in San Francisco, which is where I am now. And on defense to the 49ers, I think, are going to be a super legit team. One of the top five teams in the NFL. Commanders 20, Cardinals 16. I thought the Commanders would take more control of this game. It took a late touchdown for them to get ahead and win. That's why I got my bet wrong. Again, no teams, even a team like the Cardinals, who have no talent are actively tanking. No team is bad. No team is bad. Anyone can beat anyone on any given Sunday. Proved in this game. The Packers 38, Bears 20. Packers maybe a little bit better than I thought. Bears maybe struggling a little bit. Still too early to tell. But Grant Paulson not believing in Justin Fields and me not believing in the Bears seems to look right after one week. Raiders 17, Broncos 16. Two bad teams, I think. Didn't get a chance to see this one. Dolphins 36, Chargers 34. One of the games of the year. Crazy. I got a chance to catch the back half of this one because I was home from the Vikings game at that point. Man, if two is healthy... And that whole offense stays healthy with Mike McDaniel. The Dolphins are so good on offense. Their defense just has to be average, and their offense is so explosive. I worry about Tua's health, but when he's healthy, it really works there. I think Tua had like 450 passing yards, and Tyreek Hill had 200 yards plus receiving. Tyreek Hill is still one of the best in the game. I'm high on the Dolphins. Uh, I'm going to bet them again this week. Um, So that was one of the games I got right. I bet Dolphins plus three last week. And I was correct. Eagles 25, Patriots 20. I caught the back half of this game. This was even closer than this looks because 
it came down to a Patriots player, wide receiver, catching a ball but not getting two feet down. It would have been on like the 10 or 15-yard line with the Patriots needing a touchdown to win that game. Eagles, does maybe my bet of them stepping back a little bit look more right? Uh, it seemed with the Cowboys win that maybe I was right about the top of that division. The Eagles might have a little bit harder time. They're not going to run away with it. And the Cowboys uh, could maybe compete for that top spot in the NFC East. But, yeah, Vikings-Eagles this week, the Eagles' defensive line is still unbelievable. I think they pressured the most in week one. That terrifies the heck out of me. I think the Eagles will be still a good team. Rams 30, Seahawks 13. That was an absolute stunner for me. As mentioned in episode two with Grant Gertzma and Brett Gertzma, I am high on the Seahawks. I don't know what happened. Their offense got absolutely destroyed by the lowly Rams, I thought. I thought, again, where Kyle was wrong. Oh, my gosh. 30-burger for the Rams, 13 for the Seahawks. The offense basically didn't move the ball in the second half. My Seahawks friends and family are absolutely depressed right now. And again, Sean McVay proves that he's a genius. and He can win with people injured. Cooper Cup didn't play. And so just an absolutely dominant performance. Our preview through one week looks really wrong on the Rams through one week. Cowboys 40, Giants 0. This was truly one of the craziest defensive performances I've ever seen from the Cowboys. They had a kick, return for a touchdown, an interception, return for a touchdown, and they were constantly assaulting Daniel Jones. What they were doing to Daniel should be illegal in 50 states. I felt horrible. Maybe my prediction about the Giants taking a step back looks better today than it did last week. So that might be a where Kyle was right. Again, way too early to be doing victory laps. But oh my gosh, that Cowboys team looked ready to go. Any concerns about losing Kellen Moore on the offense taking a step back? Offense looked fine. Didn't look unbelievable, but it looked fine. Defense was so good. I just don't know how teams are going to score on that team. Micah Parsons and boys. Crazy. So shout out Cowboys fans. The last game of the week, the Bills 16, the Jets 22. Obviously, the shocking news here, crazy stuff. Crazy NFL script writers. All offseason, all we heard about, Jets, 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 J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets. Because they're in New York, ESPN had an obsession with the Jets, Aaron Rodgers going there, the team already being pre-made for a Super Bowl, just needing a quarterback. All I heard about was the Jets. It is absolutely insane to me that through only five plays, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. He's done for the season. And instantly, that was an 11-win team, a Super Bowl contending team. They're instantly a 7-win team if they don't address quarterback. I don't love the Jets, and I don't love Aaron Rodgers, but I couldn't help feeling really bad when I heard that news. I felt sick when I saw that. It's just really sad. It's a sad way for Aaron Rodgers to go out, and I just hate seeing guys get hurt like that. But perhaps another storyline from this game is, what's going on with the Bills? How did the Bills not beat a deflated Jets team? After Aaron Rodgers goes down, Zach Wilson comes in, that team's just Everyone's mind is racing about what's going to happen with Aaron and our team leader and all this hype. And did we just lose our entire season? And the Bills can't beat that team? Josh Allen, man, we got to talk about these turnovers. I saw a stat today that said Josh Allen 
In his last 19 games, it's been 19 games since Brian Dable is no longer his coach, since Brian Dable left for the head coaching job of the New York Giants. Josh Allen has 39 turnovers. Let me say it again. Josh Allen has 39 turnovers in the last 19 games. That's a conversation we're going to have to have pretty soon. People are not ready for that conversation. Josh Allen had a really rough first year. He was inaccurate, didn't know what to do with the ball, looked to run too much. His second year showed improvement, and he became the poster child of what we talked about even on this podcast, about a guy who actually could improve his accuracy in decision-making in the NFL from college. And that looked to be true. He had an he had an unbelievable year with Brian Dable. He also had that crazy shootout game in the playoffs against Mahomes. But besides that, and ever since then, it's not been that great. They have a great team. Josh Allen, when he's playing his best, can extend plays and make some wow throws. He does. He's got a cannon. He can do that stuff. But what people don't know about Josh Allen is when he's at his worst or even just his average, his average is not great and his worst is going to lose you games. You think I'm crazy? Last year, the Vikings-Bills game, the Vikings had no business being in that game at the end. But Josh Allen threw a pick early on. He fumbled on his own one-yard line to give us a touchdown and then ultimately threw a walk-off interception in overtime from the 20-yard line, threatening to score and win that game. And he threw a pick. He will occasionally turn the ball over enough to cost you games. And that's what happened against the Jets. He had four turnovers. I know the Jets' defense is good, but he had four turnovers. So that was a crazy game to me, too. Aaron Rodgers lost for the season. Josh Allen, four turnovers. Jets get away with the win. All right, let's talk about my Vikings now. As I mentioned, I was at U.S. Bank Stadium for the Minnesota Vikings versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Unbelievable experience that I can't wait to talk about after a win sometime. So I still had a blast, even though the Vikings lost. This was week one summed up, you know? This was a weird game. I think for people that didn't watch, it's easy to tune in and look at it and go, wow, the Vikings lost to the Bucs. I'm not going to lie. I'm super discouraged. I've been having a hard time shaking it off. This was a game we were supposed to win. Now we face the Eagles tonight. That could easily be a loss. We are not favored to win that game. Then you're 0-2 and you're staring 0-3 down the barrel with the Chargers. So I can't get too far ahead of myself because the NFL is a week-to-week league. But this was a heartbreaking loss for the Vikings. But it was such a weird loss for the Vikings. The Vikings were outgaining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by 200 yards at halftime, and it was 10-3 only. It was a game that should have been 17 or 20-3 at halftime, but three awfully timed turnovers and two horribly timed penalties ultimately cost the Vikings the game. I saw a stat that compared the 49ers offensive yards per play and defensive yards per play given up when they played the Pittsburgh Steelers last week versus the Vikings offensive yards per play and defensive yards per play. And what's crazy is the Vikings had a slightly better offensive yards per play than the 49ers, and their defense was .1 of a yard better than the 49ers. And yet, because of the three turnovers and dumb penalties, penalties, turnovers, penalties, turnovers, penalty, turnover, ugh. Because of that, 
The Vikings lost 20 to 17, and the 49ers won 30 to 7. Oh, it was so frustrating, guys. The first turnover was a freak play. It's third and one. The Vikings are in scoring range. They're on like the 30-yard line in field goal range. Third and one. We're going to run a quick handoff. Kirk snaps the ball, and his right guard in trying to get over for the run block hits the ball out of his hands, his own player. So that's three points at least lost there, maybe a touchdown, gone. After moving the ball well. The second fumble was a sack fumble on a missed protection Free runner, like a safety blitz or something, hit Kirk, sack fumble, and that was on our own 20. So our defense stopped him but gave up a field goal. So that's three points there. And then the Vikings, with a minute 16 left, drove the length of the field right before halftime in a perfectly executed two-minute drill. Justin Jefferson had almost 200 yards. The offense looked explosive at times. And then an incredibly unfortunate interception in the end zone to end the half, took away seven points there. Cousins threw the ball to K.J. Osborne, wanting him to sit down a little bit to lead him away from a collision. The ball was slightly behind K.J. because of that. He got his hands on it, and literally the Bucks defender ripped it out of K.J.'s hands for an interception. So that's seven points right there, gone. It was in the end zone. Just a brutal three turnovers. And then in the second half, the defense couldn't get off the field, and the offense only had three possessions in the entire half. I don't know how much to take away from this. Are the Vikings going to be bad all year? Or was it just a few freak things that didn't go their way and the Buccaneers' defense is actually really good? I'll tell you what. I don't know how the Bucs are going to do all season, but their defense, especially in that second half, looked unbelievable at times, making play after play after play. Not just the turnovers, but like pass breakups, sacks, uh, blitzes, Blowing up screens. The Bucks' defense looked super legit. Their defensive line and Vita Vea absolutely ruined our run game. Couldn't get anything going on the ground. So I don't know what to take away from the Vikings game. We might be bad, and I'll be sick to my stomach, and this podcast will be so much less fun. Or it was just a freak thing, and we'll have to bounce back. We'll see how it goes against the Eagles and the Chargers. But if they lose to the Eagles tonight, I have to sit on that loss for 10 days. I have to sit with the Vikings for 10 more days being 0-2. That terrifies me. Oh, and then, by the way, I was talking about the turnovers. I forgot to tell you about the penalties. We're absolutely brutal. We only had four penalties. One of them, we lined up off freaking sides on a field goal attempt, which gave the Bucks a first down and allowed them to score a touchdown. So the defense actually did their job, got off the field, and somebody lined up off sides on the field goal attempt, which gave them a first down and they scored a touchdown. And the other penalty was we had the Bucks stopped for a third and seven, and we jumped off sides on that to give them a third and two, which they converted and got points on. So brutally timed penalties, brutally timed turnovers. The last thing I wanted to say on the Vikings really quickly, if you listen to my preview episode, I said if it doesn't go well, it's going to be because of interior pressure and us losing the battle in the trenches. And I can't stop thinking about that this week. Dude. Madison ran hard. He looked like an upgrade over Dalvin Cook. Jordan Addison looks to be the real deal, caught a touchdown. I think Cousins had 138 passer rating when he targeted Addison. Maybe he's actually legit. Jefferson went off. Everything we talked about with the offensive playmakers proved to be true. Josh Oliver was a great addition. He had three catches. So all of that worked. But guess what, guys? 
it doesn't matter if you can't block on the interior of the offensive line. And I just don't know how the Vikings haven't addressed this. How did they go into the season not thinking they need to do anything about this? This is year number five now where our offensive line struggles to pass protect and struggles to push anyone off the line in the run game. Why was this not addressed in the offseason? This was the exact same offensive line from last year. I know the Vikings are banking on continuity and they're banking on everyone on the young offensive line taking a step forward, but we have to replace one of the guards at minimum. I just can't have it cost another season. We have all these playmakers and we can't utilize them because we can't push anybody around. It's so frustrating. I just don't know how that wasn't addressed and how is it not addressed. Right now, right now, if the Vikings are listening, I would say, please go out and sign Dalton Risner or sign some other guard that can give you decent pass blocking from the interior of the offensive line. Please, someone who can move somebody off the ball a little bit in the run game. I don't need it to be a world-beating offensive line. I just need it to be usable. I can't imagine why they didn't want to address this in the offseason. We have cap space too, so I just don't get it. So Vikings 0-1, great experience being there, but frustrating loss. I think we're better than this, but good luck to us tonight against the Eagles. It'll be a tough spot in primetime on Thursday Night Football, short week on the road at Philly, one of the hardest places to play, coming off a loss. All right, let's shift gears to week two as I unveil my five best bets of the week. As I mentioned, I went two and three last week, which is not what I want to do this year. So we got to bounce back here. Here are my five best bets. And I need like a little audio cue here. Kyle's five best bets. Colts minus one versus Texans. I was impressed with the Colts showing last week. As I mentioned, impressed with what Anthony Richardson was able to do. Texans are going to improve eventually. I just don't think they're there yet. Colts only getting one point. I love this bet. Colts minus one versus the Texans. Game number two of the week. Saints minus three versus Panthers. This is me a little bit learning my lesson, probably, from last week and from Grant Paulson. The Saints looked a little bit better on defense than I thought they'd be. Maybe they're a little bit better than I even thought overall. And the Panthers, while I think there's still hope there, and I think they're headed the right direction, I think Grant's right. They're probably not ready yet. So I'm going to go with the Saints minus three versus the Panthers. Saints start off the year 2-0. Game number three, I think this one might be my favorite. Dolphins, again, minus two versus the Patriots. So that's three favorites in a row. I just love what the Dolphins are doing on offense. And I just don't think the Patriots have the horsepower to keep up. I do think the Patriots' offense is going to end up being competent. They had a decent showing last week against the Eagles, a good Eagles defense. But I just think the Dolphins are too much while they're healthy. Dolphins minus two versus Patriots. Number four, Ravens plus 3.5 versus the Bengals. Now, I don't feel as good about this one because I don't think the Ravens were as impressive as maybe that score looked. And I definitely don't think the Bengals are as bad as their score looked. So I always get nervous when the Bengals are bouncing back 
off a loss like that. But I think the Ravens across the board are a pretty well-run team. I like Lamar Jackson. I like their pieces. And I think most importantly, even if the Bengals bounce back, I think the Ravens can keep this close. So I'm going to pick the Bengals to win the game, but the Ravens to stay within a point or two. Ravens plus 3.5 versus the Bengals. In game number five, the Giants minus four and a half versus the Cardinals. What? You're picking the Giants, Kyle, after they just got shut out? Yeah, because I think anytime a team gets embarrassed like that, they like a bounce back. I don't think the Giants are as bad as that last week showed. I really don't. And I don't think the Cardinals maybe are going to hang around as easily as they did against the Commanders. This is a perfect bounce back game. Giants come in pissed off, ready to turn things around. Cardinals hung close. They just don't have the talent. I think the Giants win this game by a touchdown. All right, so those are my picks. Colts minus one, Saints minus three, Dolphins minus two, Ravens plus 3.5, and Giants minus 4.5. I want to close today's episode highlighting a few games that are going to be awesome to watch. This week will be interesting because I'll get a chance to watch the Vikings game on Thursday Gosh, I hope they win. Hopefully they win, and then I can rest easy all week just watching all the other games. I will have Red Zone and another game going all week, and so I'm going to be able to consume a lot more of the NFL uh, versus being at the stadium last week. Here are five games that I'm stoked to see. Obviously, Vikings versus Eagles, Thursday Night Football, tough place to play. I think the Eagles are still a better team than the Vikings. We're coming off a loss. Our center is injured. I'm really hoping for a miracle turnaround on a really short week. Um, I know the Eagles are a little bit banged up too, which will help us. But again, the Vikings kryptonite. It's a tale as old as time. Is anyone who has an incredibly strong front four. If you have a strong front four, a big front four, you can bully the Vikings. And that's been our kryptonite since 2018. Even in years where teams were quote-unquote bad, like the years the Bears were bad, They still had defensive linemen that gave us such fits that we would win those games like 13 to 7 because it was just such a slog. We need better interior pass protection, and that's terrifying when facing an Eagles team that is incredible, including Jalen Carter, rookie, uh, on the defensive line. So that is a bad matchup for the Vikings. The Vikings match up better against a team like the Lions or a team like the Chargers, where, yes, they're good teams, or even the Chiefs, uh, especially the Chiefs without Chris Jones, because those are good teams, but their front fours on defense don't absolutely terrify you. I'd rather get into a shootout with the way our offensive line is constructed. Anyways, Vikings versus Eagles on Thursday Night Football will be one I'm obviously watching. I'm excited to see the Packers versus the Falcons. Are the Packers like legit legit? Or did the Bears just have an off week last week? Jordan Love looked pretty good in his season debut. And I think, as you know from the other weeks, I'm pretty high on the Falcons. I like what they're doing. Again, I don't love their quarterback situation, but I like everything else. So I'm interested to see two teams that I think overall are pretty good teams without special quarterbacks, in my opinion. Interested to see who starts the year 2-0 and and who falls to 1-1. and The third game I'm stoked on, Ravens versus Bengals. I talked about that. The Bengals coming off an absolutely humiliating loss. Ravens coming off a pretty safe win. 
That was maybe a little bit closer than they wanted it to be for a while. Just a good game, good quarterbacks, good offenses. Excited to watch that one. Seahawks versus Lions. Can the Seahawks bounce back after that putrid second half last week? Are the Lions going to be a super legit team? Are the Lions a 9-10 and 10 win team or are the Lions a 12-13 and 13 win team? That's what I'm trying to sort out. And I just got a lot of skin in that game between family in Seattle and family in Detroit and Michigan and friends that are Lions fans. And obviously that having a bearing on the NFC wildcard slash NFC North division. Seahawks versus Lions. And the last game I'm excited to watch, Chiefs versus Jags. I just want to learn more about these two teams in particular. Is it possible that the Chiefs during this dynasty even have a step back? We're so used to the Chiefs just being an automatic AFC championship contender. I mean, we literally call it the Arrowhead Invitational at this point. But are the Chiefs maybe poised to take a slight step back? Shout out Brett Gerritsma from episode two. And I want to learn more about the Jags. How good are they? So Vikings-Eagles, Packers-Falcons, Ravens-Bengals, Seahawks-Lions, Chiefs and Jags. Those are the five games I'll be keeping my eye on. That's it. That's week one in the NFL. Excited about week two. What are your guys' thoughts? What did I miss on some of those games that I didn't get a chance to watch? Message me with some interesting facts from those games. Um, I think maybe quarterly, I'm going to do a quarterback ranking on this podcast, my personal quarterback ranking. But I need a few more games under my belt to do like a quarter pull and then a half pull or whatever in three-fourths of the way. Um, I think that'd be fun. And I'll give a fantasy football update from the friends from work uh, fantasy league as we get a few more games under our belt. And next week I'm going to be joined by a guest. It's one of two people. Both are awesome. And I'm excited to see kind of how the week plays out to see who we can invite next week. But excited about that. It'll be a fun episode right back here on friends from football. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Tell your friends if you're into this show, if you like it, it means the world to me and to the rest of the friends from work crew. If you would follow rate and review and pass this podcast along to your friends. Quick episode for me. Thank you for listening. We'll see you right back here next week. Same time, same place here on Friends from Football.